All right, everybody, welcome to episode 25, the long-awaited, long-anticipated comic books episode. This is something we've been planning for a long time, and due to life and fate, it's finally coming around. So we're debuting this, talking about the uh, alien genocide story. So we got, I got me, we got Devin, so we got us two again, and we have, we probably got Pittsburgh Mike back on the mic, and we have a new guest as well. So how's everyone doing? Everyone introduce yourself. Well, my name is Devin. Um, I'm an alien fan. <laughs> and yeah, I, I love the comics and I just like talking about the comics. <laughs> I think they know our voices by now, but you know, let's get the first <laughs> new voice on here. Mr. Bradley, if you've been around the Aliens Gateway um, Facebook group, you uh, know him pretty well. He's definitely one of the more educational people to talk to in terms of the comics. So why don't you go say something about yourself, my friend? Hi, uh, my name is Brad Sudbeck. I'm the um, one of the lead administrators over at the Aliens Gateway Station fan group on Facebook. Uh, I got into the comic books at a pretty young age, uh, back in the early '90s, uh, when I was, you know, first introduced to the movies, really. Um, and you know, back then I was maybe five or six years old, um, but it was a little hard for me to, to get access to the comics. You know, I knew about them. I was able to read them on the bookshelf, but I didn't really start acquiring them until I was in college. So last 10 years, 15 years or so is when I really started getting into them. What about you, Mike? My name is uh, Mike McCullough. I've been on with uh, unfortunate Dave Gogol too many times um, and I'm trying to get away, but he keeps sucking me back in. No, I'm just, I'm joking. It, uh, uh, I actually just a big aliens fan. I'm the same way. I, I started off with the movies. The movies really hooked me. And, and um, my first alien comic that actually got me to collect them uh, somewhere on vacation. And I found um, the first and second copy of Newt's tale. And that like, that was my hook line because it started off the movies, what I liked. And then basically just started, you know, flea markets and comic book shops and stuff like that. So um, picking up a little bit here and a little bit there. Um, like I said, the aliens, the aliens comics themselves were kind of my jumping point, but my favorites is the, the aliens versus predator series. Um, they've always been my favorite, you know, war um, and, and that's such there, but uh, yeah, I, like I said, uh, when I was a kid, I just couldn't get enough of them and they kind of filled the gaps in between movies and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, that's, that's where I got my start. And y- your guys' introductions are like so much better than mine was. <laughs> I, you know, if I knew we were going to go into a, like our, how we got into Alien, man, I totally, I, I really botched that, didn't I? But we can circle back to now. How did you get to Alien Comics? Come on. This is oh, your, yeah. Your okay. Redemp- yeah, it's your redemption arc then. Yes, my redemption <laughs> <laughs> so my my uh, exposure to Alien in general was through uh, my mom. My mom was a huge fan of Alien. She had them all on VHS and uh, she took me to see Alien 3 when I was about five. You know, I was just kind of tagging along with my brother who was, you know, he was the one that was old enough to watch it. I, I wasn't. I, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. But uh, with the comics, uh, we also got into that together as well uh, because we used to go to a a public library and I didn't have a lot of access to comics. I, you know, I I never really had a comic shop that I could go to to buy uh, any kind of comics. 
And so I was in Nirvana when I saw all of these uh, graphic novels, uh, you know, on the shelf uh, that totally blew my mind. But they had all the alien trade paperbacks, all the aliens, up at least up until that point, which was the late 90s. And they had all the Alien versus Predator uh, books and, you know, all the Predator books. It was, I was like, where, where, where do I, where do I start first? So I checked out a book to read with my mom. So, you know, we, we were kind of running an errand. We were having to sit and wait in the car. So she's sitting in the driver's side and she's reading Aliens. They call it book one, uh, sometimes it's called Outbreak. It was the black and white uh, comic by Mark, Mark Verheiden. Oh, yeah. And I was sitting in the passenger seat reading Labyrinth. And I, you know, there was no primer. I had no idea what I was going to be reading. And I was, I, I, I'm so glad Labyrinth was my first. I mean, it just blew me away. That's a, and, that's a hell of an introduction. Yeah. yeah and right. so, that's you know, a, I would ask my mom about what she was reading. She's like, oh, well, you know, this was happening. And then I would tell her what I was reading. And so we had kind of had a little discussion back and forth uh, with the, the paperbacks that we were reading. So that was like a great sort of intro to the comics for me. You know, I just I just love the comics. They each have something different. Well, maybe not Mondo Pest or Mondo Heat, <laughs> but oh. that's that's a whole other can of worms. But yeah, we could uh, get into that some other time. <laughs> yeah, for me, I can't remember exactly which one was exactly. I just remember there used to be this comic book store I used to go to um, called Cosmic Comics in Oceanside, New York. Uh, my mom used to always take me there. I got into like the usual Marvel stuff. I don't remember how old it was, but I remember, of course, looking for the Marvel and DC stuff, of course, Wolverine, Batman. I was going through, I don't remember what compelled me to go through it. I was going through the, maybe it was the movie section or license section. And all of a sudden I'm flipping through A and I've seen the Aliens comic. I'm like, what the fuck? There's Aliens comics? I'm like, oh, it's like an extra story. I think it was, and the artwork blew me away too. I think it was, is it female war or author? I don't remember which one. I was just blown away by the art on the outside. And I read that and I was done. Hook, line, and sinker after that. I'm like, well, this is like an extra extended story. I'm like, this is like more aliens. This is crazy. And then opening up to the more comics and the books. And from then I was, I couldn't get enough of them. And obviously to this day, I'm, I'm still reading them. That was, that was my uh, gateway to a uh, gateway station. But uh, gateway to the <laughs> gateway to the comic book world. So that brings us to today's topic, which is Aliens Genocide, which debuted in 1997. Dark Horse Comics, like most of our comics, will uh, will be. Um, the authors are it's from Mike Richardson, uh, John Arcudi. Sorry if I butchered that. Uh, Damon Willis and Carl Story. Uh, huh, Carl Story wrote the story. Look at that. Um, illustrated by Damon Willis and Carl Story, contributors also John Ricurdi, Damon Willis, and also Carl Story. Um, 112 pages, four issues. Um, I guess we'll start with uh, the basic question impressions on alien genocide. We like it, don't like it. Story wise, I guess we'll start with first. So, our first comic book episode, so bear with us as we uh, we run through the uh, what works and what doesn't. <laughs> Did you want to? Who'd you want to take the lead on this one? I don't give a shit where everyone's going. All first. you, buddy. 
See, I, here I go. You just again. nominated yourself. <laughs> All right. Shit up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I thought it was good. Um, I feel like it had a lot of great ideas, some real unique ideas that opened up the the lore of the alien world even more. I thought the execution in places was a little a little spotty, you know, very 90s. It has very 90s in a lot of places, uh, especially the art style. But uh, I was very entertained by it. It's not one of those things that you just get bored with. You, you kind of just keep reading because you're like, well, what kind of crazy thing are they going to do now? But uh, I, I really, overall, I, I liked it. It's not high up in my list of all-time favorite Alien comics, but it's it's definitely not on the worst. So, What about you, Brad? Uh, I'd say that was it was one of my favorites. Uh, it was one of the first ones that I was introduced to. You know, I, I, the first comic book that I, I got introduced to was really uh, Nightmare Asylum, and and then the, the second one was was Genocide. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, you know, at the time I had never seen anything like it, and it built off of a, a larger universe that you know Dark Horse was establishing and and you know really building up from that point. And you know, this was. Um, before Alien 3 came out, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, there, there was a lot of ideas there that, um, you know, were, were brand new and, and it just really seemed to jive well with what James Cameron had set up with Aliens. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. It was one of my favorites uh, early on and it still continues to be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like, this is one of those comics for me. It was kind of a, it's kind of a, a mixed bag because, I mean, I thought, I thought the, you know, the warring uh, aliens, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that it was cool that, you know, like, you know, this is one of the first ones that kind of shifted from the movies and, you know, all the the normalities that we we're used to, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, to be honest with you, like uh, the artwork, I hated the artwork. You know, this is probably one of my least favorites for artwork. It was just a different style, something I you know wasn't used to. I thought this, like I said, the story was, uh, I could go along with it. It would definitely was, it had that late eighties, early nineties kind of campy vibe in certain points, you know, the way that it started off once it got going and, and it was basically the, the main plot of it. Um, I was, I was pretty in, like I said, I'd say on my list of comics, this is probably like, you know, like a, maybe a five or a six. Uh, like I say, it's not my favorite, but uh, it's definitely a good read. And like I said, it's it, you know had an original story, something totally off the off the list that nobody had really come up with. So an originality, I mean, I, I definitely think it was uh, it was cool and a, a cool original story the way they did it. But like I said, just just the artwork, it just I I you know, and like I said, I've read a ton of comic books and I just I could not get into the artwork. It just it was so. I don't want to say this. Not, I don't want to say dark. It was, um, it was too oversaturated. Like you didn't get the details and stuff didn't really come through. So you were kind of, it was like a, it was a mixed bag of like, you know, certain parts of the comic where they were just so blended together that you couldn't, you know, make heads or tails of different things. But like I said, overall, I think, I think it was probably, it's probably like five or six on my list um, of the comic series, but you know, that was my impressions, but what are you thinking, Dave? Uh, you're muted, Dave. I think. Yes, that's, yes, I was. Thank you. Yeah. That's also, the way we like how we, yeah. Yeah, you beat me to it. I was about to say people prefer me muted, but that's beside the point. <laughs> uh, also, Bradley, thank you for the correction. 1991 
in the genocide debuted, I might've been looking at the reissue date. I don't know, but thanks for the correction, Bradley, 1991. <clears throat> I, again, it might be warm, fuzzy memories and nostalgia, but uh, I'm a fan of genocide. You guys said definitely very 90s in, in some spots and the artwork isn't, isn't the greatest, but I enjoy, I enjoyed the story. I liked the idea of, you know, trying to get this royal jelly and, you know, I guess we probably should have done a synopsis of the story before we get into this, but whatever, too late now, I guess. <laughs> I like the uh, the idea of trying to get this stuff and then the warring um, aliens, I thought was great. Like I said, the story was kind of hit or miss, but overall, I'm a fan. I like genocide. It's not the not the best, but um, I always enjoy rereading and I was glad to go through it again with kind of fresh eyes. It still still held up enough for me to get enjoyment out of it. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the story for anyone who isn't familiar, so basically in the aftermath of the Verheiden trilogy, spoiler alert, Earth gets fucked up. But the, the, the good news is they, they start rebuilding. And, you know, now humanity at large knows about the xenomorphs. It's no longer a secret. It was a pretty traumatic experience for humanity when the aliens took over in, Ber in the Verheiden books, but they managed to take advantage of this uh, genetic property of the queen known as the royal jelly. And they find that the royal jelly can have different effects on, on uh, certain people. And we, we see it harnessed like in two stories uh, but in this one, basically, the royal jelly—the royal jelly—is harnessed as a performance enhancer. So it's called Xenozip, and unfortunately, it makes people like insanely aggressive and violent. Like, like one guy runs through a fucking brick wall. I love the, I love those. Yeah, love that part. That yeah, great. yeah, and uh, another guy he. You know, he's a soldier and they're like, OK, we gave him some Xeno zip and he fucking tears everyone apart. He literally rips their arms and legs off. But basically, that creates a huge PR backlash. So the CEO of the corporation that makes the Xeno zip, he decides he wants to harvest more of it in a pure form. And to do that, they got to go to the alien homeworld. And unfortunately, the alien homeworld is in the midst of a matriarchal power struggle. So there are two queens with two hives basically warring with each other. And so they have to harvest the royal jelly in the middle of all that. And that's pretty much the setup. So, um, yeah, uh, I think I covered yeah. everything. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you for making up for uh, my mistake. I'm over to here, fellas. I'm doing very well. But the Xenozip, I think, is fucking awesome. I think I'd love to see that incorporated in future movies. I think that's a great idea. Like, it opens up so many other story elements. I'd love to see that, um, you know, explored more. What do you guys think? Well, I, I always took the Xenozip as being something kind of uh, analogous to the Spice from the Dune series. Ah. Wow. Nice. Not exactly the same thing, but sort of like inspired by that in a way. But, you know, they, they obviously did something very, very different with it by turning it into basically a super steroid instead of, you know, what the spice really was. But the way it was coveted by people was, was something that reminded me of the Dune series. Uh, and then, you know, with the whole 
hive world and, and the civil war between the, the two different strains of aliens. Uh, that always kind of reminded me uh, more of, you know, the Starship Troopers story and everything. Um, which, I mean, again, that's something that, you know, James Cameron really played into with his movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I, I mean, the, the cool thing, too, about the, the Xenozip is, you know, forever, everything in the alien lore up to this point was all about, you know, bioweapons. Like everybody, they wanted to get their hands on a Xeno, you know, basically for bioweapons. And this came like completely out of right field. It was, it was just such, I mean, that was a cool part of the concept. It was like, you know, it was no longer like, okay, we have to get one of these because we want to put it in the bioweapons division and we want to find out what we can do, or we want to sell it to the highest bidder and, you know, use it for military purpose and the whole nine yards. So when they came up with, you know, the, the Royal jelly and, and the Xeno zip, it was just pretty cool. It was like, um, like I said, it was just a whole right field, but it actually worked because I mean, they were taking properties from them themselves and kind of using it in a whole different way. So in my mind, I agree. I think that was, a, that was a really cool sort of turn of events. Yeah. It was, it's always nice to see that part of the <clears throat> story come together. Cause it was in the movies. We just see them trying to get it in the comics. We actually see what happens when they, when they get their hands on, on, on this product, so to speak. I mean, all the stuff they would do with it. <clears throat> and one and, thing I definitely, I'm oh, sorry. I'm go. so sorry. No, no, go ahead, Dave. And what I liked too was I liked the little story arc with Daniel Grant and Neo Farm. I thought that was cool. You could see different side of the uh, corporations, not just the big ones. You see what another kind of inner war, which would definitely happen if this shit became, you know, part of a uh, of Earth. You would see definitely some sort of pharmaceutical war for the for the royal jelly. Uh, and that kind of that. I mean, it, go ahead. That, oh, that was actually a nice, like setup. I'm glad that you said all that because you know what's interesting is Daniel Grant. Normally, he would be like a villain, and he yeah. sort of starts out like one. You're kind of yeah. like, well, why are we following this piece of yeah. shit? Why do we this care? <laughs> it's what he wants. Yeah. You know, and you know his character does change, which uh, which is interesting, but. Uh, I thought that was a pretty novel idea at the time because normally those types of characters are the the ones that like were warned about in the movies, yes. like these yes. exploiting the corporate assholes, and and he's like one of the like main characters. I, I, yeah. I, I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, instead of following like a marine around or a scientist, you're firing a you know following a CEO around or CFO, whatever the hell he was. Yeah, yeah, they they round him out with the the uh, the major. Yes, which was probably a smart idea, just because you know she's the one that sort of helps him facilitate. Yeah. she helps facilitate that that change. That yeah, yeah, they, they had a good um, a good relationship. The way it was it was written, it was well done. I thought. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's like we we've I don't know everybody, any, all of us that you know, basically are in the, the comic world. I mean, we say it all the time, like the, the comics themselves are such an untapped resource, you know, the, the direction that, you know, movies and, and scripts and, and plots and everything go. And it's one of those things where like, you know, we, we, I mean, Dave, you and I have talked about this a million times where like, we, we almost want to say to these people before they produce movies and stuff like that, like for the love of God, just read a comic it's all there for you. Like there's so many different ways to go and there's so many different. And it's, 
you know, like that is the way it is. I mean, just about every yeah. movie that you watch now, there's always that, that corporate scumbag. He's always the yeah. guy that plays nice. And then all of a sudden at the end of the movie, he ends up being the, you know, the, the, you know, the worst guy of all. And in this, they did it great because like, you know, you start out in the beginning and you're like, Oh, here we go. This guy's going to be, you know, he's going to cause all kinds of chaos. And then by the end of the book, you're like, Oh, well, kind of whole thing turned around on itself. So I, I thought that was a very cool way they did that. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, even if they didn't, you know, copy the comics panel for panel just to get just to get some fresh-ish ideas. Some of them, of course, are completely outlandish, but the comic books, at least, you know, are better than recycling the same crap over and over, which they kind of end up doing later on. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Another thing I like about the comics too, um, with nice little, because they always do nod is the franchise, the android named Henriksen was a nice little, nice little nod to aliens. Nice little, always good to see. One of the cool things in the books too was when they were on the alien homeworld, I liked the perimeter when they were sitting on the perimeter, that little gun yeah. thing they had, oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that, <laughs> there was you know one, that. Yeah, that was, that was, that was great because there's, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, they even have a <laughs> like a picnic yes, in, in front pick, of yeah. the shield. Yeah. There's yeah. all these aliens. Yeah. They're like, "Who wants uh, who wants mustard? Who wants a sandwich?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's I was gonna say? Yeah, the, the one character is actually he's like up against the screen, yeah. and yeah. he's like, "Yeah, the only problem about this thing is you can still smell them through it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, are, aren't they? Are they golf? Are they golfing or aren't they doing something? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this thing is amazing. The only problem is you can still smell them through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I that, was a, that was a really, it just, that was just, like I said, it was just good. Yeah. I love the idea too. Like I mentioned before with the <clears throat> two different types of uh, the two warring aliens, I thought was awesome. I even had the little more than the Kenner figures. I even had the blue and the red one when I was a kid or whatever the hell it was. I thought that was just the, uh, yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Oh, you know, it's, it's Oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go. I was saying, you know, I got this at Walmart. I always, I always thought it was genocide inspired because it's, <laughs> oh, the it's yeah, red. That guy too. yeah, it is. Yeah, it's red. Yeah. So I was like, is this like a genocide reference? But, you know, they're <laughs> probably like, just, just paint it red. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. I thought I completely lost my train of thought there. Uh, but yeah, the Henriksen uh, Bishop connection was pretty cool. Like I just mentioned. But what were your what were your favorite parts of the story, and what were your least favorite parts? Good, Brad. All right. Well, you you mentioned the Henriksen reference there. Uh, you know, I I really like that reference, especially the the fact that you know Henriksen, you know, being Bishop in in the first movie or in the second movie, uh, Aliens. You know, they they set that up as a red herring, right? You know, Bishop was an android. We didn't know he was an android at first, but when we found out, they kind of set us up to think that he was going to be the bad guy. And he had, you know, he turned out not to be the bad guy. You know, he was, you know, a good guy in, in the end. Uh, with this character, Henriksen, who was named after Lance Henriksen, they made us think that he was an android at first, and they made us think that he was going to be a good guy, but he turned out to be human, and he turned out to be a villain. So I like how they kind of flipped that on its head and referenced uh, Lance Henriksen in that way. I, I really appreciated that. Uh, one of the other clever things that I really liked about the story, it's just a small little detail that they added in, was the name of the ship that they flew in on, uh, the Razia. 
And if you look at the, the definition of the, the name Razia, it's a hostile raid for purposes of conquest, plunder, and capture of slaves, especially one carried out by Moors in North Africa. So that seems very, very, very applicable to what they're actually doing in this story. They're going to the alien homeworld to plunder and steal the royal jelly and bring back to Earth. You know, that, that sort of, you know, small detail is something that I, I thought was really cool. And, and again, I, I really like the whole concept of, you know, the, the queen mother was destroyed or, or killed off in, in the original trilogy. And now we, we come into the beginning of this story and the aliens have adapted. They've, you know, got a new queen mother that's been established, but then there's also this alternate strain that has also established itself and, and they're fighting for dominance. And like, and they even say this in the series, you know, red ants versus black ants. And I know a lot of people might not necessarily like the whole bug analogy, but I mean, it's, it's, it's there. And I mean, I don't think that analogy is ever going to go away, but no. I thought they used it in a pretty clever way. And I really appreciate yeah, 100%. it. 100%. I didn't know that about the ship. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No. That's, that's neat. I, I know more now than I did one minute ago. Right. And that's all. That's all. That's always a plus. That's always a plus. You always got to be learning something new. I'll be honest. I Googled the definition of the name of the ship last night. So that's fine. <laughs> that shows that you're prepared. That's right? a good. It's all right. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I, I guess the other thing I'd, I'd like to throw out there, too, that I really enjoyed about this series, um, you know, Mike, uh, I think it was you that was talking about the artwork before feeling oversaturated. I don't disagree with that. I didn't dislike the art, but I know what you're talking about. But what I did really enjoy artwork wise were the cover arts. Oh, yeah. I, I just, absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely love the cover arts on, on these. And, and on issue two in particular, cover art for that one. You know, I, it was just a couple of weeks ago, actually, that I, I kind of thought about this. But I mean, it's it's very obvious that that image is supposed to be an alien world. But why are there seagulls flying around? Yeah, that you know, you know what it reminds me of a little bit. The the new Marvel comics, they tend to have that that thing with their cover art where it it doesn't seem to make any logical sense like the these last few issues of the marvel comic like there's one where an alien is on a pickup truck and there's one where he's on a windmill but we never see those things in the actual story it's almost like they're taking aesthetic liberties with the with the artwork which i have no problem with at all but yeah it's very interesting yeah i mean i'm not bothered by it at all but you know i i started thinking about it and i was like wow that's a really strange choice and i don't understand why the artist made that choice you know it goes to show you that dark horse they it shows how trusting they were with those artists they said you know we're not going to give you a huge mandate you know do do something that kind of tells you like what the vibe is of the the series or the issue but they sort of gave them carte blanche and you know, they see seagulls and they're like, okay, all righty, <laughs> let's put it out there. And I, cool. I really Go didn't like it. that about them, about Dark yeah. Horse. Yeah, I, I, that, I mean, think about how many Dark Horse comics to this day are, you know, featured all the time. Like, that is one thing I, I will always say. Like, I love, I think my probably like, you know, artwork wise, like, um, like I love the artwork for Hive for that series. 
was it i think female war um yes. was was awesome they were just there they were so cool because like they all had different spins on anything but yeah i you know what i never even thought about that and now i'm just here going back and looking at the cover i think that's the thing too is they figured okay people are going to look at these and they're literally going to look at the cover for two seconds and go right into the right into the comic so like oh you want to put seagulls in the back go ahead you want to put a cow in the back nobody's <laughs> going to look they're just going to flip it right to the front thing and i would have never picked those seagulls out until you just said that now i literally went back and looked at the cover and i was like how the hell did i miss this like, <laughs> it's just amazing it like yeah i I mean, I was, I guess it's just because at that age, we were all like, so like anxious to get like dive into the comic itself. They're just like, oh, as long as it looks cool and everything else, yeah. nobody's going to mind the details. Well, that's I mean, awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my favorite cover out of the four. And I must've stared at that one for hours, if I'm being <laughs> honest. And I didn't even notice it until just a couple of weeks ago when I was looking at it again. And yeah, I'm, I'm perplexed by it, but not in a bad way. I, I think it's it's a, a absolutely beautiful cover art. And, you know, that's the kind of cover art I want to see more yeah. of. That particular artist has always been one of my favorites. I really like the artwork he did for the covers for the Alien 3 movie adaptation, too. Oh, um, yeah. You yeah, got it right before I said it. That Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, you could totally frame any cover and hang it on the wall. It's, it's yes. fine art. Yes. And that's that's also what I think was so groundbreaking about the the Dark Horse Alien series is that they they could have just got cheap with it. They they could have just been like, you know, they got the license and they can they can just half-ass it. But they chose not to do that. You know, they they really chose to be experimental and you know put a lot of care into into the presentation of you know the cover art and everything that that's very that was a very novel approach back then and yeah that's just like what you said bradley it's one of those things where you just kind of it doesn't make sense but like any good piece of art you look at it you're like i like it like, yeah. I don't. <laughs> speaking of memorable art the last panel with the fucking alien holding the saxophone Yep. Is iconic in my opinion. It's so awesome. It's yes, one of the coolest things as they're escaping, just fucking throws the saxophone at it so the acid doesn't get into the hole. And then the last <laughs> panel is um, whatever says like something major, and then you just see the the alien holding on to the saxophone, and that's it. Yeah, very Story's evocative over. image. Yeah, very very cool. Yeah, but overall, I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, I I really do think it it had this massive burden of being the first aliens comic or rather you know story that didn't have a Ripley to fall back on it didn't have yeah. to fall back on or Hicks yeah. or anything like that it had to go down an uncharted path right which and, which yeah. is fine I think I mean that's probably I don't want to go to whole tangent here but that's something they i think they should do more of you know mm -hmm. don't anchor yourself to the you know the, the ripley's of the universe the alien universe is gigantic there's plenty of shit to explore and even though this story was hit and miss it did so many cool things you're not thinking oh boy i wish ripley was here heck you don't even think about it 
because it does so many cool things. You know, from the warring aliens to the Xenozip. Oh, another thing I like too, which I know, um, I think that started in the, the first uh, uh, Elder Alien books. Is I love the idea of the Royal Guards. I think that's cool as shit. And yeah, they're fucking yeah. tough to bring down an alien fire team. You know, you're <sighs> bringing an alien. You know, it's going to bring a fire team reference in there. You guys know. Yes. <laughs> you're waiting for it. I know. Uh, and I was so happy when they brought them into fire team as well that they're bringing the spirit of these comics into the. Um, um, is that the Praetorian? The, yes. Yes. Yeah. By the way, the, not to go on another whole fire team ramp, the fire team does a lot of shit, little details with the comics, which I fucking love. But I love the idea of the Royal Guards. And to me, it makes sense. Is the Queen is going to be the you know, the end-all be-all and the rule of everything, she's going to have some fucking badass bodyguards. You're going to come to that hive, you're going to get fucked up. It's not just going to be the warriors or whatever yeah. they morph into. It's There are going to be some guards there that are going to be like, don't touch her. <laughs> and they look cool, um, but they're more aggressive, a little bit bigger. I just think it's fucking awesome. You know, it's it's... I have no problem with giving props to the creators of Fireteam because to be honest with you, they did their homework. They did. Like, no 100%. matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody says about that game, as I, as, I game. mean, like I said, I love playing that game. I mean, I've had an absolute riot with that. And, and it's so cool to see differences. Now, as much as you like, you know, games like, and, and I don't want to go on a game, but like Isolation. You know, isolation was perfect for what it was. It was it took you to the the single one, the single you know alien on the ship, and you got to run and hide stuff. But like Fire Team is just like it's just great because it's just like holy it's shit, fucking you're, fun. you're in the middle of everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it it just makes yeah. it yeah, it, it is. And, and like I said, they yeah. they've done they did it the right way. I mean, you no, know, you know, like yeah. I said, it might not be the you know the big big game company but man they just they did a phenomenal job but yeah, yeah when you were saying about yeah. the uh, the royal guards i was like yeah yeah and yeah. yeah, they genuinely love the world of alien yes and, you know that yes. counts for something yes that really does yes. count for something yes yeah well uh well we'll have a, another fire team episode eventually where i'll uh, talk about them endlessly me and devin are still playing like we just got the game a week ago <laughs> Tim and I are squatting yeah. out like two or three times a week. We have a rough day at work. Yeah, you want to hop off for, for a mission? Yeah, okay, let's go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really great. I mean, that co-op aspect really yes. makes it worth it. Yes. My uh, I know, you. Trust me. Hey, every time I, I you guys get ready to play and I jump on and somebody's like, hey, you want to play Fire Team? And I'm like, I would, but my kids are watching Disney. <laughs> and i'm like well, I'm, tr I'm trying well, well, to get well, them well. to bed. And I'm like, oh. technically Disney now. Okay, Disney. Yeah. Alien. So I know. Now. So I'm like, so like it's huh? of course every time huh? I get home and, and I think I even reached out to Dave and I was like, Dave, you I was did. like, listen, I was like, man, I gotta de-stress. Let's go and play some fire team. And I'll get a message from him. And as he's messaging me, and I look over and like the kids are watching like Avengers. I'm like, are you serious? Like yeah. now is when I want to be on this. I'm like, it's crazy. But well, oh yeah, that we'll, game. We'll yeah. squat up one day. I'm telling you. Oh yeah. I'm totally down for that. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, I'm totally an isolation guy. <laughs> no, I like no, I like fire I, team. Okay, but I fucking love isolation. Oh yeah, but it's just the yeah. You're correct on that. I, that's one of the still arguably the best alien game. It's just the aspect of a co-op and fire team that I just can't get enough of. <laughs> I I think I've bought that game four times now. Yeah, I I have it on Switch, 
PlayStation, Xbox, and PS3. I think I bought it just to have it in my collection. Yeah, I think I have it on four different. Yeah, I did too. Four different systems. Yeah. So I, I got it on uh, the 360, the Xbox 360, the Xbox <laughs> One, the Switch. <laughs> Uh, I got it for free on PC through some sale that oh, was Oh, that's going right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And then I got it yeah. on my phone. <laughs> and it actually plays best on my phone. Oh, I, have to get, I haven't put it on my phone. Yeah, yet. I was just going to say, I, I saw that it came out. How did, I was going to say, how is it for the for the, uh, the phone? I, like I said, oh. I just saw that that came out. So I, I play it on uh, an iPhone 13. So like one of the newer model iPhones. And I use a wireless Xbox controller that hooks up through Bluetooth and, and uh, Bluetooth headphones. And it's it plays better there than it does on my Xbox. It's pretty phenomenal wow. how they got it to transfer. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really enjoy that one. Uh, Fireteam is, is pretty fun, though. But um, I'm just more the first-person shooter type player. So Fair enough. Yeah. Can't go wrong with either of them. But yeah, it gets a circle back to a genocide um you guys have anything else yeah you know uh, go ahead, sorry go ahead Mike. no it's all right man gonna say one other part i liked <laughs> it was the the torso the the torso that grant smuggled onto the ship and it was just all oh, the clone yeah it was oh, just a clone yeah, yeah. like a yeah, torso. Clone torso yeah yeah, and then there's just a chest burster coming out of it. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, that's quite an efficient way to <laughs> to harvest. Is just you know, like just whip whip up a torso. You don't really need a person. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, yeah, it was, it was it was strange too because doesn't he say like he tells him like, oh, they took the cells for the clone from my wrist. Yep. Like yeah. it was like it was yeah, just yeah. so basically it was a it was his own clone. Like it was you know it was uh, <laughs> it was it was cool. That was that's just a cool scene. Yeah, had no problem just sacrificing just a piece of himself for yeah. it. You know, I was like, oh, this is no problem. It's me. <laughs> it's one of those uh, borders on the on the immoral of science. You know, what? Where? Yeah. Where do you draw that line? Yep. Um, and you know, uh-huh. the other thing I I really liked that they introduced in that series too was their armor. Their armor that was like oh, acid yes, neutralizing. Yeah, yeah, those things are yeah. badass. Yep. Yes, 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 yes. Well, I, I, mind. I, had to, seen... I had to no, go, go, go back. Go ahead, bud. No, go. I had to go back and do. So so my favorite, well, I'd say probably my top one or two comics is uh, is the Berserker. Oh, and man. Yeah. So I had to go back because, like, I'm, I'm, re- I'm going back through. I'm going back through, you know, this one. And I'm trying to figure out, like, I know this character sounds familiar. So I'm reading Genocide. And I hear the one character's name is Ellis. So I'm like, all right. I'm like, well, I'm like looking at the character and he's like, you know, guy with glasses, the whole nine yards. So I'm thinking back to Berserker and there's a character in Berserker named Ellis and he's got glasses and the whole nine yards. I think he ends up being the guy that ends up going in a suit um, and like just like straining himself out to to save everybody. And then in the Aliens versus Predator, uh, I think it's war. I believe it's war. Those same characters from Berserker end up in the avp war comic and his name and it's ellis still in that one and i'm like going through and it's driving me crazy i'm like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if this character is the same character and there's no coincidence like there's no connection at all but like i'm driving like so i'm going through like you know all the different comics like and di- the different details and stuff like and what comic connects to what man it had me for like a good 25 minutes going back through my comics and tr- 
trying to figure out if I could make any connection. I of course couldn't. And I just drove myself nuts, but <laughs> I did read three sets of comics all over again. So in a way it kind of, it did the whole, it, you know, it brought it all, brought it all around. Again. It wasn't a total um, loss, but yeah, I, I think that was cool. Like, yeah, it wasn't a total loss. Like I got recut, you know, caught up on some, but like, like Brad said, like it's, it's nice. The, the little things that they put in this comic, justified it enough um and, and like i said you know i was reading a little you know a little uh extra info like did you know this did you know this and that was one of the things you guys were talking about was the fact that this was like the first series to kind of completely go from any tie to the original you know series as in you know no you know no uh newt no hicks no ripley uh just kind of like you know, it was the first one to kind of pull itself away from that whole, you know, the series that had been built up until this point. So I thought it was pretty cool the way they did it. Um, that overall, like I said, it was, it was a good read. It was actually fun to get back and, and kind of do my, my homework and study all over again and, and uh, you know, get a chance to open up it up a little bit. So yeah, I was, I was always, always a good time. Well, you've, you've got me convinced my new headcanon is that it's the same Ellis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, in the omnibus, the um, the omnibus where uh, Berserker or Frenzy, uh, it goes by two different names, but like, I know it's whatever, but uh, but it does at the end of that story say their story will be continued in AVP War. So they are the same characters. Yeah. Those There's two, they are. Consistency but... Yeah. In the writing. Yeah. But yeah, they are. They are from that story. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that I one I, the question is is it the same character from Genocide? Yeah, see that's the that's the information uh, I can never find. Uh, yeah. Because like I said if you if you look at the character, like I said it it almost looks exactly the same. I mean the guy looks the same in the the whole 9 yards and I'm like why how similar would it be for two guys to have the same name? You know, I mean and have no connection. And it just, like I said, I went bananas. It drove me nuts. And <laughs> I went back through the comics and I'm like, please tell me just a little bit of a hint somewhere that would, would show me what's going on. But it did. So there's just two random guys with the same name uh, and two, two separate comics. Dudes. So, yeah. you know, with, with that in mind, you know, kind of going back to what I was saying before, you know, I've, I've heard people in the past say that, you know, Dark Horse's comics didn't really, you know, have any connective tissue. And that's, that's really not true. You know, like genocide, it can't really exist without the previous trilogy. The previous trilogy set it up, right? Yes. The whole idea of the queen mother being killed and then the the two queen mothers kind of springing up, new queen mothers springing up out of that um, and then having the power struggle. That can't happen without the events of the original trilogy. And, and so there, there is that connective tissue there if you're paying attention. Yeah, in the rebuilding. Uh, and yes, and, and, and that happens with so many of the older Dark Horse comics. They really did build a very large universe there in its own separate, like, parallel continuity. And it only became parallel because of Alien 3 when it came out and, and killed off characters. And then, you know, Dark Horse, of course, you know, tried to, you know, bring their stories back in line with the continuity of the movies by you know, remastering the stories and changing character names in that original trilogy. And then it all got undone again as soon as Resurrection came out. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, like if you just take it as, as, as it is at face value, 
they really did build a, a really interesting universe there as its own like parallel continuity. And it ultimately it does tie into their AVP arc that they started with, you know, Berserker or Frenzy, whatever name you know it by kind of tying in with AVP war. But then the AVP comics kind of did the same thing. You know, one of my uh, favorite stories on the AVP side uh, was uh, the web AVP, the web. And when I first read that, I had, you haven't read that one? No. It's a short one. It's like a one shot. But Hmm. what I really liked about it was that when I first started reading it, I had no idea that it tied into the larger story arc that they were establishing. But the character that was like the villain in that was the young child in the original AVP series whose parents were killed by predators and he had grown up and wanted revenge on the predators. And it was just that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've no, you know and, what? I'm man. I, this is two times tonight. I've been stumped in a row. Like, <laughs> yeah, like now I gotta find us. Yeah. Because so, like I that, mean, they, that, the, the original AVP comic, the, the even with the zero through six. Oh, I own that. That is okay. my. That's my number one Download. comic. My favorite of of all of them. And I would have never known that until just now. So I've yeah. been educated. Yeah, so, you know, the the parents who had, like, two kids and they were killed by the predators and then their two kids escaped and they got on, like, I've, it's been so long since I've read it now, but it was, like, some sort of hover bike and they rode yeah, into the town. Uh, the little boy is the one who grows up to be the villain in the web and he's setting a yeah. trap to get revenge on the predators. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so that was the whole premise of that story. And, it was, and, and there's more of that connective tissue that, if you didn't read it, you might not pick up on that. You know what I mean? Like, if you were coming into it cold, you might not pick up on that. And that's not the only story that did that. Purge, yeah. uh, Aliens Purge. Oh, Purge is uh, a good comic, too. Yeah, Purge is that very was, good. That was actually one of the, the first comic books that I owned. But the the character from that one shows up in another AVP comic later on. I forget which one it is now, but it's all that connective tissue is there if you're paying enough attention. So, and I like you know, that it's done in a in a awesome. subtle ish manner. It's not done like an in your face. Look, we're connected. Yes. They have the same last name. They were married. This is Chad. No, it's just if you <laughs> if, if if you read it, it'll all come together. There's no like forced. Yeah shared universe it's just someone thought hey i like this story let me continue it this way very subtle very simple and it doesn't overshadow anything else there's too much nowadays i mean um dark horse did it towards the end uh, especially too much of having everything relate and they knew this person and it's just stop let the stories and the characters Stand on their own. It's you don't need everything to 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 connect in a in a in your face manner. Sometimes just the little details, just a little nod is all you need to bring the the alien universe together. It's there's too much forced shit nowadays. <laughs> yeah, well, this is Ellen Ripley, not it, Luke Skywalker. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, right. It's it's funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna send one out here to you on this one, Dave. It's, it's the whole Friday the 13th thing. It's like, listen, don't go to Camp Crystal Lake. 
don't do drugs. Don't have <laughs> sex because you're going to die. These are the steps that you do not do or else right. you're going to die. That's just the right. way it is. That's just the way. So it's funny because like the, the, like Brad said, the, the whole, you know, dark horse built a universe. And even though basically you have the same thing, don't get hooked up to a corporation. Don't have them send you on a flight to another planet. Don't, Don't try the to infiltrate. <laughs> you know it's always going to happen, but they they built themselves such a cool universe that like the story itself like went past the normal. Yep. You knew you were going to have to go in a giant ship. You knew there was going to be the the bad guy or the guy that was the spy or there was the guy that was going to be you know the greedy you know businessman that was going to be involved in the story at some point. But they had such a a huge backstory to all these comics that you kind of went past that. Like even you knew, you knew the premiere, you knew what was the premise was going to happen as soon as you started reading the comic, but then it just went bananas and, and they were, they just produced so many different story, you know, arcs and uh, you know, new material that like, you just, you couldn't get enough of them. I mean, that was, you know, that was the one thing I think all of us can agree with, you know, any alien comic that you, you know, there for those, early years like you could pick it up and you were like in a whole nother story like it was just like i'm reading it from scratch and i think that was the coolest thing too because at the time you know a lot of these comic series came out as fill-ins you know in places where we didn't have anything else you, know, you got to think back then besides the movies we weren't you know they weren't pumping out video games they weren't pumping out you know extra content or you know uh, cartoon series or anything like that to fill us in so um you know they definitely they for what it was there for the media wise i think i mean you can't fault them that dark horse at the time was one of the best yeah yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with like every but how hard you try every big franchise is going to have its cycle its theme you know the dinosaurs always getting loose the you know the you know the, the force go there, Dave. always go there in trouble <laughs> i didn't say it's a bad thing i'm just saying each you know like the alien like you said you have the everyone's exploring the signal a bad corporation right. it's what you do it's what you do around it that makes a difference yeah the skeleton is the same but the meat on its bones is different there you go yes. you said it much better than i did thank you Devin. yes exactly yes and um i think that's a good way to end it actually <laughs> unless Absolutely. you got some anything else no, you know the only question i had for you i mean you guys are the, the you know a little bit more in depth in the comic books i am so you know, we have these we have these two alien races, you know, you have the, the the two divides, you have the black and you have the red. What what comic series did they have out where they had the alien king? Was he red as well? That was Rogue, wasn't it? Yeah, Rogue. Rogue. Was that Rogue? Yeah, yeah Rogue. He I, I couldn't red. remember. Okay, he wasn't red. Okay. I'm just trying to think. I I knew there was another, and I'm just trying to figure it out. And I was like, I couldn't remember if there was another series that there was any that there was red. I couldn't remember. So, okay, so yeah, Rogue was the one with the king, and honestly, I, I, it drives me crazy thinking of it as a king. Um, I like to just think of it as a genetic anomaly, but, you know, it is what it is. It depends on the edition you're looking at for what color it, it shows up as. There are some comic books where on the cover art, for example, it does look red. But then they've had uh, re-releases with the graphic novels where they made it look completely different. It looks more like a drone. Um, hmm. So it, it depends okay. on, on what you're looking yeah, at there. I couldn't remember. I was trying to think. And I knew somebody would have, like I said, it's just randomness that pops into my head. 
And I, I bet you with, with the cover arts where they show it looking more reddish, uh, I, I think that's just artistic license to articulate that it's different from the queen. I don't know if it's ne- meant yeah. to you know, be taken literal. You know what I mean? Mm. For me, when I think of Rogue, the, the first image that pops <laughs> into my head is the novel adaptation. And it's not really red in that one. But yeah, some of the comic books, it does. Yeah, yeah. Okay. See, yeah, Brad is is just so awesome he is so exceptional when it comes to pointing out these these details because i i didn't even know that there was a that there was a color difference in the printing so that that definitely illuminates that debate in a very significant (laughs) way you know you know it's a shit (laughs) yeah I'm actually, I'm looking for it now. I'm looking for the digital copy that I have. I'm scrolling through everything so I can look at it again a little closer, but uh, just going off of memory. Yeah, it was, it was, it was red in some of the cover arts. For like the, a magenta? Uh, that's, yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking of. I guess like, I just couldn't remember. And I, I was, you know, figured while we're on here, I'll, I'll ask the question. I, I was just reading. It's funny. Cause like, as we're doing this, I, I always want to, you know, the, the comic itself, whatever we're talking about. So I'm just kind of going back and forth on some details and I didn't even think about it. So I started going back through the comic itself and uh, there's a thing here that says, this is the first comic that the aliens blood was not green or yellow. Hmm. Yeah. I said that I was just, I'm just reading, like I said, the randomness trying to learn myself, (laughs) get, uh, get taught. And I don't even remember that, if I'm being honest. I remember reading that little factoid also, but then I'm, I'm like thinking back on it. And I'm like, I don't remember what color they showed the alien blood <laughs> as. Um, no, it was just, it's, yeah, just random. I was like, I was like, yeah. I, like I said, it was so funny because I literally this morning, I, I read through all, I read the whole thing again. And like, just to kind of like get myself caught back up on it. And now I'm going through stuff and I'm listening to you guys. And I'm like, damn it. I missed every detail. <laughs> like, how did I do that? Like I was just so involved with it. I missed all the details. That's what happens to me a lot. I get so involved in the story or the characters. I just, all the little stuff. I'm like, yeah, I leave it up to you guys. I'll, I'll, I'll enjoy what I enjoy. There's just, everyone has different eyes on it, how they look at it. So it's, you're not going to catch everything. So I guess, uh, you know, with that in mind, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, when you read a comic book, how long do you spend per page? Not a lot. Like there's a, if there's a wow, sequence I, I like really or a dialogue, I might uh, go back and read it, but I usually just read the panel, move on, read it, move on, read it, move on. Some, if something sticks out, maybe I'll linger a little bit, but not too long. Yeah. That's the trick of pacing a comic book is it's that, you know, when it's done very well, it flows like a film. So yeah. You know, when you're watching a movie, you're not really dwelling too much on what you've just seen because everything is happening at a very steady pace. So, you know, uh, with a lot of these comics, I mean, at least for me, it's sort of like watching a movie. I I take the image in as I'm reading it and, you know, I'm jumping back and forth. And then, you know, I just kind of I breeze through it as if I'm watching a movie. So, yeah, same thing. So it, it took me a long time to kind of get used to this 
idea or this this way of reading them um, because I, I used to be the same way where I would just kind of read the text and just kind of breeze through it but the, I guess the biggest tip I have for reading a comic book is to keep in mind that 50% of the storytelling is visual and the other 50% is is the text you're reading so whenever I, I read the text and then I yeah after I'm finished reading it I just stop and look at the image that goes along with it for about the same amount of time that I spent reading it. Sometimes yeah. maybe a little longer. Um, and, and just really, you know, take in those details. You know, just pause on that image for a minute. Take in those details. And you'll be surprised what you pick up on. The easiest one to give that a shot with for your first try is Dead Orbit. Because there is so much detail just saturated on every page for Dead Orbit. I mean, you could stare at each image of Dead Orbit for an hour and find something new hmm. but even with some of these um older comics where the artwork is less detailed you can still pick up on a lot of details just from pausing and looking at that image for a few seconds longer than you normally would so that'd be my biggest tip there very cool and, and yeah. you know going going I'll back to shot and and you know going back to like the more recent marvel series if, if I'm being honest, I haven't been too vocal about uh, my dislike for the Marvel series, but if I'm being honest, yeah, I dislike them. And a big part of the reason why is because I think the artwork is not there. And, and when I stop and I pause and I look at that artwork for a few minutes, half of the images I recognize immediately as being a copy paste from somewhere mm-hmm. or being a screenshot right out of the movie. And that's just really distracting. And it bugs me. And you don't see that with these older comic books. And that's one of the other things I really appreciate about, you know, the days before Photoshop, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, you know, that being right. said, you know, there, there's other reasons too why the artwork and the newer Marvel series isn't all that appealing to me. And it's not just the artist himself. It's also the colorist. You know, the colorist is someone that you know, normally you know, their credit is there. You can find them credited in, in any comic book, but they normally aren't someone who's front and center when, when you talk about it. But the colorist can make or break the artwork too. And, you know, with some of the Marvel series in particular, I remember looking at this one image and their more current story arc, for example, where they were walking through a grove of trees and you can tell the trees were supposed to be different distances away from the characters because they were shaded different colors of green. And then they had like oranges growing on them, but all the oranges were shaded the same color. So the way it looks is they're just floating orbs that don't really appear to be oranges growing off of these trees that are different distances away. And that's just an example of how the colorist kind of broke that image. And, and that happens a lot more with, you know, these more recent digital versions of comics and, and, you know, the colorist, not doing the uh, shading or, or gradations the way they, they really should, in my opinion. And again, with some of these older comics, that's that's not really the case. Or everything was more by hand painting, and and it just pops out better. You know, there was more attention to detail in that way. So you know, again, um, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, the artwork that's fifty percent of the the storytelling. Sometimes the colorist and the artist are the same person. Sometimes they're not. And, and sometimes that makes a difference. And then, you know, going back to the, the comic book that I mentioned earlier, Dead Orbit, 
Uh, one of the things that I think made that one in particular really special was that the colorist, the artist, and the writer were all the same person. So it was a cohesive vision. There was no disconnect between the writer and the artist and the colorist. They were able to do things story-wise uh, with that story in particular that you wouldn't normally be able to do uh, when, when the artist and the story writer are two different people and they have two different ideas or two different images in their head for how that scene should be playing out. Um, so that's, again, that's one of the things that I really appreciated about Dead Orbit. And Dust to Dust, which was another newer Dark Horse comic, uh, I believe was also the same way where the artist and the writer and the colorist were all the same person. Gabriel Hardman, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, they were able to do things. With yeah, those was good two too. Stories. Yeah, those two. They, it was a, just a more cohesive storytelling. Yeah, yeah, you could tell. And yeah, so again, that artwork is a big big deal and it can make or break the story just as much so as the writing so yeah my my general rule of thumb is you know when you're reading through the the comic you know however much time you spend reading the text spend about the same amount of time at least uh just soaking in that image and you know if, if you come across a page where it's all image and there's no text you know just because you know, that happens a lot in comics spend a few minutes just staring at it and, and soaking in those details. Cause that's what they intend for you to do. Yeah. Except for uh, a <laughs> rescue. Oh, yep, no, let's, yeah, let's pretend rescue doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was so bad that I didn't even bother finishing it. Uh, wow. Really? I, yeah. I got, I usually, I read everything. I got to think two issues in. I'm like, fuck this. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It was well, so I, bad. Spoiler alert. The last issue was the worst. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. And Jeez. as bad as it was, I still think it was not as bad as Xenogenesis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anything has gotten worse than that one yet. Or Mondo Heat, <laughs> Mondo Pest. <laughs> Those are bad too, but I still think Xenogenesis. Yeah. Well, that was uh, well said, Bradley. That was crazy. Yes. Yeah, that was great. That was great. I don't think. Yes, agreed. Yes. Don't really think I have much more to say after that one. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> that was a... All right. We have our new host of a high mind, Bradley. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going. <laughs> yeah, I want to go read a book or something. <laughs> Uh, but seriously, though, that was tons of fun. I'm glad we could finally talk about his fucking comic books on this <laughs> on this podcast. Um, we'll get better as we uh, talk Absolutely. about it more. Brad, thanks for joining. Seriously, you were phenomenal. Yes, thank you. Kevin, yeah. I'm, sick, I'm sick of your shit Absolutely, already. man. Thank um, you very much. <laughs> between oh. the recording and uh, Alien Fire Team, that's enough. Um, yes. Mike, finally get to get you back. We'll definitely do this yes. again. We might, we might the mix game. up the crew. We might mix up the crew. Um, but whatever, we're definitely going to talk comic books again. As always, check out the page, check out the website, listen to us everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Brad, pimp your shit out for me, please. Uh, yeah, thank you again for having me on your show. Um, I'm Brad Sudbeck from uh, the Aliens Gateway Station fan group on Facebook. Uh, we also have a Twitter page, but are most active on Facebook. So please check us out. And thanks again. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, catch you next time. Cheers. Bye.